We as a church are going through the book of Proverbs, not verse by verse, but kind of theme by theme. And as we do, we've been talking about life hacks. You know, life hacks are these tips or tricks that make life go a little bit more smoothly. So for example, here we are in the Christmas season. You're probably buying Christmas presents and you have to wrap those, right? The problem is with wrapping paper, as soon as you take it out of that plastic sleeve, like it just keeps on rolling, right? So you need something to hold it together. What if you took a toilet paper roll, slit that thing up the middle, and then, well, that's just a good idea. That's a life hack right there. Now, it's not my favorite life hack when it comes to presents. The best life hack is called a gift bag. I believe gift bags, they're like God's gift to men, right? I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You tell me I take a fancy grocery bag, I put the gift in it, and I'm done. Oh, and, and I can reuse it next year. This is brilliant. This is good stuff. That's a life hack right there. The question we're asking, though, is does God have life hacks for life? And the answer is yes. He has wisdom. And Proverbs is a book that is packed with wisdom, these ancient life hacks. Now, last week, Pastor Jared did a great job on that sermon on money, right? Uh, and, and Pastor Jared, he has a lot of wise, wise things to say. Like, for example, here, I feel like this is one of his best pearls of wisdom right here. That's my boy. Pastor Jared nailing it right there. As soon as he did that, I was texting TJ. I'm going to need that on a clip. Good, good times. I'll tell you what, though, Pastor Jared is a wise guy. You know, actually, doing the whole mini-series on Proverbs was his idea. And when he had the idea, I said, well, now you have some work because you got to go figure out what are the eight themes that we're going to use. And he did it all. And uh, so props to him. Our church is being blessed by his pastorate, and I'm grateful to him. Uh, He talked about money. This week, we are going to be talking about friendship. Are there life hacks, these ancient life hacks, are there, is, does Proverbs have anything to say about friendship? Well, surprisingly a lot. There's a common, uh, guy that wrote a commentary, like a book about Proverbs to help you study it. A scholar named Hugh Black had this to say about Proverbs. He said, the book of Proverbs might almost be called a treatise on friendship. There is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. Proverbs has a ton to say about friendship. And one of the things you see at the end of his statement there is that it values friendship. I want to begin today by talking about the value of of friendship. Because one of my fears is that today in our society, we very devalue friendship very much. Friendship gets viewed as bonus, extra, superfluous. It's devalued and secondary, especially in a hyper busy modern society like ours. You don't have to have friendship, do you? And so what we do instead is we elevate erotic love or romantic love above friendship love. How many songs do you know about friendship? Maybe Kermit sang one or something, you know, like, uh, but, but how many songs do you know about romantic love? 
Oh, well, that's, that's tons, right? Or you're at the grocery store, you're in the checkout line, and you see that rack of tabloids there that are all covered with stories about who is friends with whom. No. Who slept with whom, right? That's what, it's all about romantic, erotic love. What about movies? Uh, I'll, I'll refer a lot today to the movie Lord of the Rings, a trilogy, great, great story. Uh, Ashley, uh, I'm, not a, uh, I'm more of a fan of the books. The books are all about a saga of friendship. It's all about friendship. Interestingly, though, when Hollywood went to make the books into movies, they had to pervert it a little bit in order to sell it to a modern movie audience. And so while there is a hint of a romance between Aragorn and Arwen, then when they go to the movies, they have to blow that up and inflate that extraordinarily in order to sell it to a modern audience. Because we elevate romantic or erotic love and we devalue friendship, even in a book or series of books that's all about friendship, strangely enough. Now, here's the deal though. God highly values friendship. When you look at God himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they have been friends for all eternity past. Friendship is hardwired into the very nature of God. So he was not lonely. He didn't create us because, oh, he's sad. No, that's a needy God. God was not needy. He's God. He's totally self-sufficient. So he had a relationship within himself. God is friendship. So go figure when he made us in his image, he made us for friendship, for community, for relationship. And he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. But unfortunately, we broke this thing. And the fall and sin came into it and led to broken relationships. The gospel, though, is all about the restoration of formerly broken relationships between us and God and between us and each other. That's what the gospel is all about. And so I would suggest to you that friendship is hardwired into the human experience. Some of you, when you were growing up, your parents maybe moved towns, and so you had to shift schools, right? Elementary, middle school, high school, something like that. You remember that moment of panic when you walked into the cafeteria on the first day? And you looked around, and you're like, where am I going to sit? With whom am I going to sit? And in, in that moment, you felt exposed, you felt vulnerable, you felt alone. Nobody had to tell you that you desperately needed a friend. You knew that it is not good for the man to be alone. Just not. We're made for friendship. So it's very valuable, even though our society devalues it. All right, so that's my first point, the value of friendship. Now, what I want to talk about next is the impact of friendship on our lives. What does it do? Why do we need it? What is the impact? For that, let me, let me begin with Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All right, notice that it talks about ruin in there. There's a lot at stake here. Ruin is a possibility on the table. And so Proverbs over and over basically says that fools perish for either not having friends or not having the right kind of friends. It ruins their lives. The good news is that you don't need a ton of friends. It says a man, man of many companions. Think associations or acquaintances in contrast to a true friend. 
What you need is just one or a few friends who love you like a brother, sticks closer than a brother. You only need a few. You don't need a thousand. Listen, you don't have a thousand friends, despite what Facebook is telling you. It's lying. Those aren't friends. Those are acquaintances. You need one who sticks closer than a brother. And so think of this. Let's say you're at work, you get the emergency phone call, and you turn to your coworkers, you turn to your boss, and you say, listen, I've got an emergency, I've got to go, that was my wife, that was my husband, that was my son, that was my daughter. Oh, we totally understand, go, take care of that. What if you turned to your boss and said, hey, I gotta go, that was my friend. Yeah, why don't you get back to work, right? Like, but, but what Proverbs imagines here is actually a friend who is so important to you and you're so important to that friend that they can make that emergency call. Like you need a friend such that when the crap hits the fan in your life, you can call them at work and say, I need you. And he turns to his boss and says, I got to go. I got to go stick closer than a brother. You see that? That's what Proverbs is imagining here. So there are then two points of impact that Proverbs repeatedly comes back to about friendship. The first is adversity. Adversity. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Uh, Adversity happens. Life will throw crap at you, and in part, your survival is linked to having good friends. Friends who love at all times, not just good times, not just easy times, but all times. You need friends because of adversity. I remember not too long ago, I went to a conference in Chicago with a few of the other staff guys. And we got to go to a teaching time, just huge, huge room packed with all kinds of people in ministry. And the guy that was presenting was, uh, he's a counselor, psychologist. He's done a lot of ministry with pastors. I don't know if you know it, but it's getting gross out there. This is a dangerous position. Pastors are not doing well. And and I'll give you a hint, it's because they're alone. All right? And, And so he's talking to them and saying, hey, from his experience, here's the progression of unhealth. Here's what happens in these guys' lives over time. Look at this list right here. The first is they are assaulted. Now, that's not unique. This is common to all of us, really. All of us are assaulted, physically some, sexually some, but all of us living in a broken, fallen world have some junk happening to us and it hurts. There's assault in our life. Secondly, what we do is we respond to that out of anger or anxiety. But it's not getting gross yet. It's not too bad. But unfortunately, what happens is number three, aloneness. Aloneness. So if you have a friend that's there for adversity, it puts it in check. But, but most of us are alone pastors and congregants alike. And we're alone, so it slides down to number four, and that is adultery of the heart. Where a friend should have put things in check, that seat is empty, and therefore I go down to four, which is adultery of the heart, which then leads to abusing. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, adulterous affairs, uh, whatever. And so we act out. So he's noticed this progression of unhealth as pastors get very unhealthy. And he says number three is the hinge. If you have close friends in your life who are born for adversity, it will put it in check. When you lack that, it goes down to four and five. God has blessed me with two very close friends. I meet with each of them at least once a month. 
And they both know the deepest, darkest stuff in my heart. One of the things he asked the crowd is he said, hey, who knows the deepest, darkest stuff in your heart? The worst stuff in your life. Most of us would say, well, nobody. Some of us would say, my spouse. He says, if you only say your spouse, you're still alone. And you'll move down the list. Ooh. Friends are very important. They are born for adversity because life will throw crap at you. Friendship is made for battle. Friendship is made for adversity. Now, we tend to think of friendship as entertainment. We think friends are for fun. Proverbs is saying friends are for survival. We need them. Jesus gave us a mission. The enemy is throwing fiery arrows at our lives. Life is a battle. Do not fight alone. Do not fight alone. So back to Lord of the Rings, because that's like some of the best books ever. Uh, Lord of the Rings, I, I absolutely love that series. It is a great saga about friendship. You know, the first one is called The Fellowship of the Rings. It's about fellowship. Friendship bonded around a mission, and they were in it together, and adversity was there. They needed each other. In fact, I'm geeking out. I have a Lord of the Rings shirt on today. Thought I'd let you know. Don't judge. But let me give you, uh, so when uh, initially Frodo and Samwise are trying to sneak out of the Shire and leaving two of their friends, Mary and Pip, behind, and uh, they, Mary and Pip get wise to it, they catch up with them, and so they say, we're going with you, and they're like, can we trust you? Here's what Mary says. It all depends on what you want, put in Mary. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. That's what friends are for. For adversity, for battle. There was another time when Frodo realized that the weight of going to Mordor was just so crushing, he couldn't do it to any of his friends. He wouldn't even take Samwise with him. So he sneaks off and he gets in a canoe. He starts rowing away secretly. Samwise gets wise to it, runs down to the shore, starts to wade in. And Frodo has this great line where he says, I'm going to Mordor alone. To which Samwise responds, of course you are. And I'm coming with you. It's a great line. That's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You think you're going into battle alone? Sure you are, and I'm coming with you. That's a Samwise, and all of us need a Samwise. In fact, Frodo would not have done well without Sam. There's another scene in the books where, you know, as I keep saying books, you movie people. Uh, but uh, so, uh, in, in the books where Sam is speculating what it would be like if their lives were put into stories and written in a book someday. It's kind of clever. And then uh, and he's saying, well, what if they talk about us around the campfire? Here's what he says. He says, then people will say, Let, let's hear about Frodo and the ring. And they will say, yes, that's one of my favorite stories. Frodo was very brave, wasn't he, dad? Yes, my boy, the famousest of hobbits then. That's saying a lot. Frodo responds this way. He says, why, Sam, he said, to hear you somehow makes me as merry as if the story was already written. But you've left out one of the chief characters, Samwise the stout-hearted. I want to hear more about Sam, Dad. Why didn't they put in more of his talk, Dad? 
That's what I like. It makes me laugh. And Frodo wouldn't have got far without Sam, would he, Dad? Mr. Frodo, said Sam, you shouldn't make fun. I was serious. So was I, said Frodo. And so am I. Adversity is coming. You're going to need a Samwise. That's what friends are for. Not just fun, not just entertainment. There's survival. Now, that's the first point of impact. The second point of impact is counsel. Proverbs is very clear that you need friends for good counsel. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 27. It actually has a few verses in here that are worthwhile on this. It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Now, if you look on the second line there, it says profuse. It's kind of hard to translate from Hebrew into English. The word is that it happens a lot, it's frequent, but it's deceitful, it's insincere. And so if you have a friend that flatters you a lot, that might not be a friend. Profuse are the kisses, the flattery of an enemy. By contrast, what it says is faithful are the wounds of a friend. How are wounds faithful? You ever go to a surgeon? He cut you open? She cut you open? See, that, that's cutting you not to hurt you, but to heal you. That's a faithful wound. And friends are supposed to do that in our lives. They're supposed to cut us open to help us heal. That's what doctors do. That, that's what friends do. They don't just flatter you. A true friend has the freedom to call you out. And I heard Dr. Howard Hendricks say that we all need friends who appreciate us but don't admire us. They feel the freedom to call us out. If you've got a friend and, and you need to speak truth into her life and you don't, you don't love her. You love yourself. Because you know if you speak truth, there might be a cost in your life and in the friendship and you don't want to pay that cost, so you hold your tongue, but she pays the cost of ruin in her life. We, if we have true friendships, that's counsel, that's calling each other out. In fact, it says at the end there, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Many of you are familiar with that verse. What's interesting about it is it envisions two pieces of iron and they're grating against each other and both becoming sharp. This is a peer relationship. If you go to a counselor or to a pastor or something like that, usually it's one-way relationship. They're advising you and counseling you. What this imagines in friendship is that we counsel each other as peers. We're speaking into each other's lives. But notice that it can be kind of grating. Like, iron sharpens iron, that, that's friction, that's harsh, that's hard. But the net result is that it sharpens us. Remember, friends are for counsel, not just for fun. Life is a battle, life is a journey, life is tough, life is hard. And we have a mission from Jesus, and we have to grow and get better as people. We need sanctification. You know what? God gave us something for that. Friends and their counsel. So friendship is valuable, yes, but there's also the impact of friendship, and we looked at both adversity and counsel. Now what I want to talk about is what to look for in a friend, or for what to look, if you're a grammar snob. You're welcome. There you are. What to look for in a friend. 
If we're honest, we tend to make uh, the process of finding a friend or what to look for in a friend, we, we make that according to the pattern of this world, not according to the pattern of Scripture. You know, there's no verse that says, thou shalt not be friends with Karen. It's not in there. Proverbs or otherwise, it's not in there. But remember this, Proverbs is knowing the right thing to do even when there's not a clear biblical verse. There are principles of wisdom throughout Proverbs that helps us know whether or not Karen is going to be a good friendship. Let me share one of the best ones with you, in my opinion. Proverbs 13.20, I'd encourage you to memorize this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. There it is. Now, Hebrew, the Hebrews had a metaphor of walking with someone. That the, to walk with someone was a Hebrew metaphor for friendship. Okay? So this is saying whoever walks or whoever is friends with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. Some surveys have been done going to prisons and asking people, how'd you end up here? What happened? What went, went off the rails in your life that was the beginning that ended you here? A lot of times, you know what they say? I fell in with the wrong crowd. Yep. The companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs echoes this over and over. Listen, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Did I just say a good thing or a bad thing? You better figure that one out because that's your future right there. If you hang out with sick people, you know what you get? You get sick. What do you think happens when you hang out with gossips? People who spread dissension? Uh, what, what about people who dishonor their spouses? You hang out with them, guess what you'll end up doing before too long? Disobeying parents, dishonoring parents, bitterness, negativity. People who get drunk, you hang out with them, guess what you'll end up doing? Drugs, whatever, you know, immorality. That's just the way it goes. It's common sense. Well, sense is common to the wise. I heard one pastor put it this way. He, um, he had a bowl of mud and he put on a white glove. And he put the white glove in the mud and pulled it out and said, now you'll notice what happened. The mud uh, made the glove muddy, but the glove didn't make the mud glovey. <laughs> Well, that's pretty funny because I've never used the word glovey before. And that's, I like that word. That's a good word. But it's true, right? The mud just messes up the glove. The glove doesn't make the mud glovey. And, and so the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's just common sense. Now, there is another verse that, that is interesting in Proverbs. It's 29, 27. It's along the same idea. It says, an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. All right? So fools don't like wise people, and wise people don't like fools. They, they tick each other off. So here's a question. If all your friends are unrighteous people, and you comfortably fit right in, what's that saying? That's, that's not good, right? We need to be, we want to be wise people growing in the Lord. An unrighteous person is a ministry, not an entertainment. You feel that? that some of you have unrighteous friends for their entertainment value. We do not want to, as God's people seeking wisdom, we don't want to hitch our wagons together with them. 
Because we're not going in the same direction unless we are. And that's a problem. You feel that? All right, so what I want to do then is give you a list of what to look for in a friend. It's not an exhaustive list, but here it is. People who are loyal, wise, good character, same gender, and Christian. On one of those, I probably ticked some of you off. But let's talk about it. All right, first of all, loyal. We've already covered this. Friends, friendship is born for adversity, which means you need friends who don't throw in the towel just because it got difficult. You need loyal friends who stick through the hard times. We've covered that. Wise. I've told you, friendship is for counsel. Well, then have wise friends so you get wise counsel. We've talked about that. But how about character? Proverbs is so chock full with developing good character in our lives, but we also then want to look for friends of good character because show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? So look for friends who are honest, humble, hardworking, unselfish. Who do you want to become? Look for friends with good character. All right, now let's have more fun and talk about the next bullet point. Uh, you need to find friends of the same gender. I'm saying men should be friends with men and women should be friends with women. Uh, not everybody agrees with me, but I'll tell you this. Everyone right now either agrees with me or you will. Uh, just be frank. You either agree with me on that or you are right now in the process of proving me right even though you don't know it. My son, I asked him if I could share this. He said, sure, Dad. Uh, he, he didn't agree with me. That's old-fashioned. That's out of date. That's ridiculous. I can be friends with girls. He agrees with me now. <laughs> See, what happens is, a lot of times what's going on is the dude really isn't interested in friendship with the girl. He's interested in romantic relationship. So he's going to try the back door of the friend and ends up stuck in the friend zone. <laughs> you did it to yourself, bud. You know? um, but, but that's going on. And then there's always sexual tension. Oh, no, there isn't. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, there is. And then what if it is completely platonic? So what happens is I, I'm best friends with this woman. And then I get married to Shannon. And Shannon's going to be totally kosher with me being best friends with a woman, right? Yeah, not so much, right? You know how many affairs start out with this? Oh, we're just friends. Yeah, so, so it's not a great idea. Again, you don't have to agree with me yet. <clears throat> so let's move on to Christian. Look for friends who are Christians. Ultimately, where does wisdom come from? It comes from God, right? It comes from our Lord. So wouldn't we want to be friends with wise people who are in connection with the Lord? We need fellowship with other believers. If you don't have that, it will certainly constrain your growth, your sanctification. After all, what is life all about? Life's all about God, eternity, worshiping Him, glorifying Him, serving Him, the gospel. It's all about that. Wouldn't we want to be friends with people that are leaning in that same direction? We desperately need Christian friends. Now, some of you are saying, hey, pastor, too late. I already have friends. Proverbs would disagree with you. Like, you will be making a decision today and tomorrow and the day after who your friends are. And some of you have intentional changes that you need to make in your lives. Now, I am not encouraging you to just cut people out. Like, you totally ditch all form of relationship and connection and communication. No. But there is a shift in motivation in your relationships with non-Christians. 
Instead of life-shaping friendships, that is going to be a ministry relationship. You don't cut them out. You still hang out with non-Christians, but in order to love them, to serve them, to share the gospel with them, to pray for them, to lead them, to influence them, but not to let them influence you. That's why we maintain these relationships. Now, some of you are going, yeah, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be friends with them. I'm going to friend them into the kingdom. It's kind of like missionary dating, right? Like, a girl knows I, I should only date and marry Christians but I really like him. And, and, and I'll, win, I'll win him to Jesus and then we'll keep dating. It'll be good, right? Can I just tell you that the mud doesn't become more glovey? It just doesn't. Right? And so that's why God says don't do that, right? Well, we do the same thing in friendships. Friendships, we should be friends with believers because we're going in the same direction. But we don't cut off our non-Christian friends, we minister to them. So hold on to this phrase right here. Minister to the foolish, walk with the wise. Minister to the foolish, walk with the wise. All right. Now with all that under our belts, what I want to do next is get practical because Proverbs is very practical. It's about life hacks, right? So let's talk about how to find a friend. How do you get a friend? Well, first thing I want to suggest is that you look at yourself. It's going to be a lot about where you look. First, look at yourself. Yes, Proverbs has a lot to say about how to find a friend, but it also has a lot to say about how to be a good human being. And so before we start judging, is he a good friend? Is he a good friend? Is he a good friend? I want to start out with, is is he a good friend? Am I a good friend? And I want to look at myself first. So that I would be a good friend to other people. Now, secondly, I want you to look in the right place. So if you want to be friends with royalty, go look in the castle for friends. If you want to, if you want to have a warrior friend, go look on the battlefield. If you want to have a Christian friend, quit hanging out in the clubs. <laughs> like some of you are like, you don't get involved in church and you don't build, like invest and get in the network here. You just go out to the clubs and you're like, why don't I have Christian friends? I will tell you. <laughs> it's not rocket science, right? So, so what I'm asking you to do is to get involved in men's Bible study or CLC group or women's Bible study or community group. Find a place to serve and you're building an arena in your life where you're looking for friends. You've got to look in the right place to find the right kind of friends. Thirdly, I want you to look in the same direction. You're looking for friends in which you're looking in the same direction. I get this idea from C.S. Lewis. Uh, Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. One of the four, a big section is on friendship. It's the best thing outside of the Bible that I've ever read about friendships. It's awesome. By the way, Lewis was friends with Tolkien. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Just keep it going, all right? Um, So so anyway, so Lewis uh, basically had this to say, that friends are shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. Romantic lovers are absorbed in each other, they're face to face, but friends are actually side by side looking at something together, working on something together that the friendship is about. Here's how he put it, listen to this. You will not find the warrior, the poet, the philosopher, or the Christian by staring in his eyes as if he were your mistress. 
Better fight beside him, read with him, argue with him, pray with him. See, it's shoulder to shoulder. He makes it even more clear in this quote. He says, That is why those pathetic people who simply want... I love Lewis. He gets away with saying things I can't do, right? So I'm just going to read him, right? All right. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something. Even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. See, so what we need to do is once we look in the right place, then we're going to look around for people who are interested in the same things as us. So the friendship is about that thing together. And then fourth and last, what I want you to do is quit just looking around. To have a friendship, it's going to take an intentional risk. You're going to have to take a step that will seem very risky. Now, sociologists would tell us that men and women are a little bit different on this. This is a broad brush. I know there's exceptions. But they say that men play to talk, women talk to play. Let me explain. As guys, we're like relationally inhibited, right? Like we ain't so good at the talkie, right? So, so what we do is we, we, we'll go play hoops together, right? Let's go shoot hoops. Oh, we can do that. We'll play together. And in that arena of play, I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, okay, I connect with that guy. Hey, you want to grab a beer? Do you want to grab some coffee? I'll play in order to figure out who I want to talk to. Women are, usually go reverse. Because while we stink at talking, you women got that thing down, right? <laughs> you got lots of words to use up and all that, right? So, so a women will go, hey, out of the gates, uh, it's more intimidating to go play. So it's less, do you want to go grab a coffee? Do you want to go grab some wine or something? You know, and you'll go just talk. And in that arena, you go, hey, I really like her. I wonder if she wants to go to Target together, right? <laughs> so, you know, right? So, so men play to talk, women talk to play. But either way, either way, what you've got to do is take risks. In every case, you've got to say, this is scary. She might say no. She might not like it, but you got to go for it, right? And once you start doing that, whether you're talking or playing, I want you to start to take it deeper in intimacy, meaning that you start out with cliche, you move to fact, you move to belief, you move to feelings, you move to vulnerability. That's a progression of intimacy. You want to move your conversations, your friendship along. All right. That is how to find a friend. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is this. Never, never neglect your best friend. Who is your best friend? I'll give you a hint. You're in church. It's Jesus. Cheesy as all get out. I get it, but it's true. Listen, life is about friendship. Primarily, life is about friendship with God. And we broke it. Remember I told you that the Hebrew metaphor for friendship was walking together? Do you remember what it says back in the beginning of Genesis? That God used to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve? That's friendship. We had friendship with God and we ruined it. And we couldn't fix it. We couldn't reconcile it. There's nothing we could do. So Jesus came for us, paid the penalty for our, our sin, reconciling the relationship. Now we're indebted to him. We owe him everything. We're his slaves. 
Look at John 15, verses 12 to 15. This is my commandment that you love one another. This is obviously Jesus speaking. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Don't blow your mind. There's metaphors in the scriptures for God's relationship with us. Father, child, uh, husband, bride. You know, friendship is one of those. I want you to just pause for a moment and think of this. The God of the universe wants to be a friend with you. So much so that he died for that privilege. That's huge. Don't neglect your best friend. And then as you develop that friendship, look for people who are developing that similar friendship and expand it on a horizontal, not just a vertical, but a horizontal level. Right? Let me pray for that. Father, we come to you right now as your children and as your friends. And, uh, and Father, we want to thank you for the great privilege of being your friend, that you had Jesus pay for that himself. And we couldn't cover that tab. Father, we're sorry we broke it. Lord, thank you very much for extending friendship to us. We want to be your friend. We want to walk through the hard battles of life with you. And then, Father, would you start to instill within us wisdom so that we would be better at choosing friends, making friends, having friends, because we know life is tough and there's adversity and you've given us friends. You've given us friends for counsel. Would you fill our lives with worthy friendship so that we would avoid ruin. And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen.